Now, usually on Mother's Day, we do something a little different. Today is no exception. Um, last year, I actually had uh, three moms in different walks of life, and I got to interview them last year. This year, I'm not doing an interview. What I'm going to do is introduce James and Haley Fairfield. Uh, James oversees our youth ministry here. Haley is his wife, probably the better half. <laughs> And they don't have children, but they will right around the corner. She has the baby bump. Okay. Solid. Um, so, yes, Haley's pregnant. We just found out yesterday that we're having a boy. No. <laughs> we found out yesterday. Let me finish. Rich Stanley. Uh, uh, that we're having a boy. So we're very excited about that. Um, yes. Uh, so, like Aaron said, Mother's Day is always a little bit different, and, and really today we're hoping to just share with you some of our story, um, our excitement, our joys, quite a bit of our fears, um, and, and our hope is that, uh, our hope is that you're encouraged, uh, maybe that you learn something, and if, and if nothing else, that you, we'd like to share our excitement with you guys, and kind of partake in that as a church family, so, um, This is a crazy thought, and I know it's a crazy thought, but we like to think, like every new parent likes to think, that we're not completely clueless going into parenting. (laughs) I know, it's ridiculous, but we like to think that. Uh, Haley's been taking care of other people's kids since she could pretty much walk. Um, It was just a set culture in her house. Um, I know with all my heart and full confidence that Haley is going to be a fantastic mom. Um, absolutely. If you have the pleasure of knowing my wife, you know that she is going to be a great mom. Um, I've been working in youth ministry since I was a youth. Uh, I got my first job at a church working as the junior high intern's intern, which is the lowest of the low, um, at age 16. So I spent the last few years interacting with teenagers, junior hires, high schoolers, all that stuff, and I can say with full confidence that I am scared as heck to be a dad. Um, Father is one of the few titles, if not the only title, that God shares with men, um, and I don't want to butcher that title. So I'm kind of of scared uh, of that. Uh, And we have learned a lot, especially in the last five months, but in the last years we've learned a lot with interacting with other children, most of whom are your children. So no pressure, but we're watching. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The younger parents watch the older parents to see what you guys are doing, what you're doing right, what we think you could be doing better. Um, And and, and if there's one thing that that we have learned in in hanging out with your students and hanging out with you and getting to know you, especially you parents, is that no one will have parenting down. Like No one's going to be the perfect parent. Parent. No one has this figured out. So that's greatly encouraging to us as we move into this. Um, so today we're hoping to share with you some of the good advice that we've gotten, some of the bad advice that we've gotten, um, and mostly some of the biblical advice that we've gotten. So let me start with some of this bad advice, because bad advice is everywhere. I mean, you open a magazine, you turn on your TV, you log on to Facebook, and bam, bad advice. Um, Almost any parenting advice that comes out of a BuzzFeed list, a Huffington Post, or an open letter blog, um, typically bad advice. Uh, I don't know if you've seen those lists like 24 things every parent should do. One is, why hire a babysitter when you have cable? What? (laughs) Yeah, 
Well, even the children. What? Yes. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, we came across one post that was, that was this woman, and she's like, uh, I've decided to stop caring how my children act in public. And it's like, why would you say that? And, and not only why would you say that, but why do like... 10 million people like that post. Like, how, is this, how is this happening? And so we see a, a lot of different advice, especially on social media, but when we're out in public, we see very little great parenting taking place. Yeah, social media is a great place for advice. Um, somebody sent me a blog recently. It was from a Christian ladies blog, and, and they emailed it to me on Facebook, and it wasn't anybody in this room that sent it, so... Don't point fingers. Um, And the more I read, the more it started to get under my skin. And granted, that's not hard to do. Um, Irritate me, and that's going to be Parenting 101 for me, is patience. (laughs) But let me me just read you part of the closing paragraph. Uh, It says, You will learn that being a great mom has less to do with how well your children behave, how perfectly you have it all together, or how great everything looks to everyone else. You, it will have so much more to do with how confident your children are of your love for them. It will have so much more to do with creating a home where your children feel safe, secure, and an environment where they can grow in confidence and respect for themselves and others. Doesn't that sound so nice? It sounds so nice to me, but it really also kind of sounds bogus. It, I, don't, I don't outrightly have a problem with anything that's said in that. I don't, I don't think any of that is... Bad. I hope my children feel secure and loved, but it really seems to miss the mark of what the Bible says being a great parent is. Firstly, it disconnects parenting and behavior. Like, one doesn't have anything to do with the other. Like, consequences in parenting don't exist, even though that's probably one of the most instant consequences you'll get is... Like, when you say something you didn't mean to and your two-year-old parrots that back to you, that's a pretty instant consequence. Um, and I understand that there are going to be difficult moments with, with every child, no matter how great of a parent you are, but it doesn't mean that, that we give up and that we give in or stop caring how our children behave in public. And secondly, it, it doesn't really line up with what the scripture says being a good parent is in that the scriptures talk an awful lot more about the teaching, training, and discipline of children than it ever says about loving them or how confident they grow up to be. And not that I don't want my child to feel loved. This little boy is already more loved than he'll ever know, but I don't think it's the most important thing. And and I know that no matter how much I love him, that in itself isn't going to teach him good character and the bible clearly says in proverbs that discipline is loving and i feel like there's this this thought now that any kind of discipline is mean or unloving like a time out is a occasional necessary abuse and it's not it's loving that discipline is loving god disciplines because he loves us and we are to discipline our children because we love them and the scripture is abundantly clear that that children are a gift and that this little boy is a gift. And he's already so loved, but I don't want that to be where he finds his value. That this child is valued because he is a gift from God and because he is loved by him. And 
And that's where I want him to look to for his value. I want him to look to God and God alone for his value for the rest of his life. And and his identity isn't going to rest in the fact that he will undoubtedly be the talented, most attractive, smartest person (laughs) to ever set foot on this planet. That's, That's not where his value and identity lies. And it certainly doesn't lie in what his mommy thinks of him. <laughs> and, and I want him to know that. And I, and I hope that comes through in our parenting, that, that through our love and our discipline, he'll know who God is and that he's not him. And even though we're all born with a precious little sin nature, it's, it's going to take so much more discipline and teaching and training to remind him of who God is every single day. And, and I want to be the parent that loves their child enough to punish them. Yeah, yeah. And it's, and it's easy for us to look at advice and go, good advice, bad advice, good advice, um, <laughs> mostly bad advice. Um, but we have come across a lot of really solid, great, biblical, and good advice. Um, I, I read this book recently called Artificial Maturity by Dr. Tim Elmore. Um, if you have children, if you want to have children, no matter how old your children are, I highly recommend you pick up a copy of this book, Artificial Maturity. Um, And and it's not really a parenting book as much as it is a a leadership book and and how you can teach maturity to children and to teens and to to young adults. And it's full of tons of practical advice. Um, And and he talks about this this false sense of maturity uh, in large part because children aren't taught responsibility and they aren't taught work. Children need to be taught responsibility, and a way that's done is, is through work. And how if children grow up without responsibility, they grow up immature, and how immature kids turn into immature teens. And immature teens, well, they just stay there. Like, they just they move into their 20s, but, but they don't really move beyond this immature teen stage that they're stuck in. Um, and children need to be taught responsibility, and in large part, children need to be taught work. Which is one thing my parents, my dad especially, made really, really sure that we learned was was how to work. I certainly wasn't born with that trait, um, and so he made extra sure to instill that in us. And, and so ever since I was a little tiny thing, I did chores. Starting at about seven, I was required to do the dishes with my sister every night. And I couldn't even reach the sink, so my job was just to to load them into the dishwasher because I was too short, and that hasn't changed. <laughs> we were we did some some weird stuff too. We were uh, we were required to work and stack firewood and pick up rocks off two acres of land, which I know sounds really weird. And I say work because I'm sure we weren't helpful. And I'm sure, I'm sure we weren't working really that hard, but it felt like it. And, and we learned to work hard and to work well. And we also learned if we didn't do it right, we did it again. And Saturday at, at my house was chore day, and it didn't matter if we had friends over or not. They were welcome to wait or help. They chose to wait almost 100% of the time. Um, and, and if we didn't do those chores, we didn't get our $2.00. One, two, yep. And when we got older, we didn't get paid to help. We were expected to contribute to the family. Dad works, mom works, you work. Mom cleans up after you, so you can clean up after mom. It's part of 
being part of a family and contributing. And, and we certainly, we didn't do it without a battle, and we whined and complained and made it more difficult than it ever, ever had to be. But we learned to work, and we learned that if we were going to ask for any sort of privilege or or independence, that we better have taken care of the things that we're responsible for. And we got into a lot less trouble, probably because we were always busy, and like the book says, because responsibility was being pushed on us all the time. Yeah, this is something that was pushed upon um, me, too. When I was in second grade, uh, I was being groomed to be the family lawnmower, so... I took that over when I entered into the third grade, and every weekend it was part of my responsibility to mow the lawn. And if I did it wrong, which I did a lot, um, I I did it again, and my parents taught me that. The day I got my license was the day I got my first job. Uh, So I was a sophomore in high school, I was a paper boy, Um, and every single day, seven days a week, Christmas and Thanksgiving included, I'd wake up at 1 a.m., drive to... Santa Maria Times, pick up a bunch of newspapers and drive to Lompoc. And, and that was my job. And my parents taught me that if you want the, the benefits of having a car, you need to understand that that also comes with obligations. And you need to pay for gas and you need to pay for insurance and, and you need to work for that. And I love that both our parents taught us this. And this is something that, that we hope that we can, we can teach our children to, to work and, and responsibility. Um, this book, Artificial Maturity, also talks about the importance of failure and, and how people today are, are afraid of risk because they've never been taught how to fail and shown that, that failure is okay. Now, it, it's kind of like this. I wish I learned this lesson sooner, but when I was, again, a sophomore in high school, I went to visit my sister in Las Vegas. And, and while there, I took my brother-in-law's longboard out, went longboarding, did something really, really dumb and fell. I didn't know how to fall at the time, so I landed right on my elbow and cracked my elbow, which was a real treat. Um, My brother-in-law was taking a nap, and he's like, ah, he's fine. Um, So uh, later, uh, I get my arm in a cast. Six weeks later, my arm comes out of a cast. You you rebuild muscle on that arm, and you learn that's okay. I can fall. I can break something. I can fail at this. It's going to be a bummer for a while. It's going to be a bummer for that six weeks. But ultimately, I'll live and I'll be okay. And you see this a lot in in kids. And you see this a lot in our day, especially among Christians and Christian culture. We think that if life is hard or if we feel like we're failing at something, then I must not be in God's will. God will always undoubtedly help me succeed. And he will also let me define what success is. Uh, So sometimes when we feel like we're failing, that's God teaching us something. And we think we're we're failing. So so I want to teach our kids this. But but this, letting your kids fail, is some of the, the scariest and what I think will be among the most difficult lessons to teach our kid. Yeah, I'm hoping that we don't have to do the broken bone thing. Unfortunately, I don't think I'll have that luxury since it's a boy. It's going to happen. We're going to wait as long as possible for that to happen. But I think it's going to be one of the, the harder, more important things for our kids to learn is is to fail. And I want them to learn these lessons on their own. I don't want them to think that I'm going to rush in and save them before they make a boo-boo or I can fix it every time that they do. And I think they're going to learn a whole multitude of things that I can only tell them 
that they're not they're not actually going to understand it unless they experience it. Things like responsibility and humility and self control and and we don't mean it to be cruel. We're really seriously not hoping our children break bones. Um, but and I'm I'm not going to set my kids up for that failure. But I will let them fail when they set themselves up for it. I'll let them take a risk, whether that be emotional or physical. I want them to know that their actions have consequences and that it's okay to try something scary even though they might fall or they might fail. And James and I were at lunch recently talking about this, letting our kids fail. And um, we ran into a friend who just happened to tell us a story that fit this exactly. So he has a son who's a high school junior. And his mom woke him up for school one morning, even though he's a high school junior, he should probably be setting his own alarm. But his mom (laughs) woke him up for school, and he went back to sleep, like any good teenager does, right? And around the time he was supposed to be at school, his dad yelled up to him and was like, hey, bud, how's it going? And was just startled out of out of sleep. The kid was like, oh yeah, good, great, fine, fantastic, dad, been up for hours, and he hadn't looked at the clock yet, and when he realized what time it was, he ran downstairs, and he was like, dad, I'm so late, I had tests this morning, I need you to write me a note, and I need you to call the office, and his dad said, no, no, the only excuse is that you overslept, and that's not a good enough excuse. And so they get in the car, and they drive to school, and the kid gets out of the car, and he was like, you're, you're really, you're not going to come in with me? What, what am I supposed to do? And his dad told him, and this is great, he said, you're going to go into the office with your tail between your legs, you're going to tell the truth, you're going to take your lashes, you're going to apologize to everybody that you've affected, and that's it. So I'm sure, I'm sure that was not an easy lesson to learn. I'm sure it was hard and embarrassing, and I'm sure he learned some humility walking into that office, but I'm actually, I said this before, I said I'm willing to bet that next time he'll get up. Well, I spoke to him last service, and he's gotten himself up with his own alarm every day since. He's a big boy now. I know. Imagine that. So... He learned he learned that he has to be responsible for himself and that when he messes up, the dad's not going to bail him out. And that's a good lesson. And it, I'm sure it wasn't easy to watch his, his son fail. It's not going to be easy for us to watch our children fail. But we do also want them to know that when they do fail, that we'll be there and that we'll be there for the hard talks and the hard lessons. But we'll also be there for you know, the comfort and the hugs. And while there isn't any joy in watching your kids fail, I think there is joy in watching them learn. And it's exciting when that when that lesson clicks, when your kid gets himself up for school every single day, you know. And, and there is joy in getting to see God change their heart and work in them and their joy in the hugs. And I'm excited to be part of that teaching process. Yeah, this is, this is something that I think Haley's parents do really well, um, as they use everything as a teaching opportunity. Haley's dad uses everything as a teaching opportunity. Um, so I, I didn't know that this was a real place. I knew Disneyland was a real place. So at Disneyland, there's like a, a learning center where you learn about Abraham Lincoln. I didn't know that was a real thing. 
Haley is like, yeah, that's where we, we had to go there. We, when we, my, my family went to Disneyland, we had fun, and then we went to the Abraham Lincoln thing, and then we had more fun. And, and it was kind of taught that, that learning can be fun, and in the midst of fun, you can, you can learn. And I think that that is, is really cool in a very kind of biblical way of, of raising kids. Uh, Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Constantly instructing. Um, and, and the first time that I met Haley's parents, I went down for the weekend and, and met the parents, and I was 19 at the time. And they were very, very skeptical of me. And they should have been because I was 19. Um, all teenage boys are trouble. So if you have a teenage girl and she brings home a teenage boy, he's trouble. I don't care what she says or he said. They're trouble. Um, and so over the, the many different talks we had over that glorious weekend, uh, I was talking to him about some of the stuff that we were doing at Element. I was talking to different construction and learning drywall and stuff like that. And he's like, oh, that's really cool. That's great that you're learning that. And, and he used this analogy. He said, that's fruit in your basket. And at the time, I was like, lame. <laughs> like, <laughs> Really? <laughs> Uh, and, and now, being removed from that a few years, I'm still like, that's a pretty lame analogy. Um, but it makes sense. It, it makes sense that you learn something, um, and you develop in that thing, and you develop that school, or school, skill, and, and then that is tools in your tool belt. That's his, that's his new one. <laughs> um, and, and I really like that, and, I, and I'd love to, to pass some of those things on that I've learned to our children and to my son. I, I want my son to learn from me, from us. Um, I'm excited to do this. You know, the son is a, is a gift, is, is a responsibility. And hopefully it's a joy to teach them to love learning and to teach them to learn. Now, this might be the most naive thought that you've heard today. Probably not, though. Um, I want my kids and I want my son to be excited about what I'm excited about. I know. Laugh it up. It's going to happen. Uh, uh, but I, I'm really looking forward to that, hopefully. Yeah, no, it could be rude. Um, I, I want to teach my son how to shoot a bow and arrow because I love shooting bows and arrows and it's super fun. So figured I could get him with that. I want to teach my kid uh, how to ride a skateboard and how to ride a longboard and, and hopefully one day how to build his own longboard. And fall right? And fall right. That would be good, you know? Um, mostly, I, I want to teach my son to love Jesus. I want to teach them that. I want to teach them to love the scriptures. I love the scripture. I love Jesus. I'm excited about those things. I'm excited when you see the entirety of scripture meshed together. I want to teach that to my son. I don't want the bulk of what my son knows about scripture to come from some singing, bouncing vegetable. Like, I want to teach them that. Some of you, super delayed reaction. Vegetable, vegetables, oh. Um, I, I want to I teach them that so that they know the entirety of the story. Um, I just think that that's really cool, and I'm really excited on that. Uh, another thing that I'm really excited on is, is something that Jonathan Whitaker told me. And I love the Whitakers. I have nothing but respect for the Whitakers. Um, in fact, the Whitakers were among the first to know that we were pregnant or that Haley was pregnant. Um, in fact, I learned that Jennifer knew Haley was pregnant before I did. 
So thank you for that. <laughs> well, yeah, they're not always overly clear with those two lines. Doesn't it's two lines. One means no, two means yes. Either way. Um, either way. Uh, so one day I was talking with, with Jonathan, and I was like, Jonathan, I really respect you. I respect your parenting and, and all that. Do you have any advice for me? And he looks at me and he goes, James, you're going to be a great dad. He goes, you love your wife. You care for her. She loves you. You guys are friends. If you can keep that going for you, if you can keep doing that, you'll be a great dad. And at the time, I was like, Jonathan, that's not enough. Like, give me the three steps to being a good dad. Like, give me the passcode to the good dad, like, clubhouse. Like, how, how do I make this happen? And that's the only piece of advice he gave me for parenting. And, th- and then you see this in Colossians 3. Colossians 3.18 starts with this. Wives, submit to your husbands as fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, lest they become discouraged. Or provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. This is what Jonathan told me. He said, you love your wife. You continue to pursue her. She is your first and most important ministry. It's not your kid. Your kid is not your first and most important ministry. Your youth group is not your first and most important ministry. It's not your GC. It's not your friends. It's not your extended family. Haley is my first and most important ministry. And if I can continue doing that, I think that would make me a good dad. If my son, when he grows up, meets a woman, and she says yes to marrying him, and it's hopefully a good thing. Um, If he can look at that relationship and say, I want to love this woman like my dad loved my mom, I'd be stoked on that. If one day when we have a daughter, she grows up and she says, I want my husband to treat me like my dad treated my mom, I'd be so happy. I'd be so stoked on that. And I'm not saying that we have a perfect marriage. Uh, very far from it. But, but 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 says this. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Paul says, I am imitating Christ. Learn from me. Hopefully my children get that. Hopefully they see an example of, of Jesus and of love in our marriage. And the last thing that we've come across as is, is really good advice Biblical advice comes from Proverbs. There's a lot of really practical parenting advice in Proverbs. Most of it goes something like this. Proverbs 13.24. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline. Proverbs 22.15. Folly is bound up in the heart of the child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Now imagine talking about these two verses and a group of verses like this with a room full of teenagers and how well that went, okay? It was actually received, I think, pretty good, but who knows? Um, and, and I see this as a really good biblical advice. I see this in my own life, that, that the rod of discipline, that it didn't take very many times for me to get spanked to learn respect, to learn not to lie, to learn uh, obedience. This is biblical counsel. 
And it's one of my biggest fears because I'm scared I won't be good at punishment. I'm nervous that I'll be that happy-go-lucky dad that doesn't punish his kid like the kid needs to get punished. That I'll be so concerned or so distracted by how cute they are or how excited I am that it's like a little me running around um, that I won't punish when they need it. That I won't correct their sin, their sin against me, their sin against Haley, their sin against others. Essentially, I'm scared that I'm going to be the dad that gives his kid what he wants and not what he needs. Which is funny because we're so totally opposite in that. He's scared that he's not going to be very good at punishing our children, and I'm scared they're going to like him better because I'm not going to have a problem with it. <laughs> not, not that I'll get a kick out of it, but I work with little kids for a living, and they get a lot less cute when they start to disobey and manipulate. And I, I don't know, just the cuteness factor, it just fades for me when that starts to happen. But that's that's going to be the challenge for us, I think, is is finding a balance, the, the balance between discipline and grace, that God disciplines out of love, but also out of that same love, we receive grace. And so James is going to have to learn when discipline is the most godly response, and the real challenge for me is going to be finding the opportunities to teach and model grace. And we really, we don't have this parenting thing figured out, even, not even close. But I, we have a lot of hope, and, and kids, children bring a lot of hope. And I hope I'm the kind of mom that remembers to teach, even when it would be easier just to do it myself. And I, I hope I teach this little boy to work hard and I hope I remember to be gentle and kind and and patient, and I remember to let him learn the hard lessons, sometimes the hard way. And and I hope I'm there for for all the hugs afterward. And most of all, I hope I model all of that because I think it's equally as important as teaching it. And and I hope I'm the kind of mom that never forgets that discipline is loving, but also remembers to model grace. Yeah, what, what what gives me comfort and reinsurance in, in all of this is is that discipline and teaching and grace, that's the heart of God. It, it, it is that He is diligent to discipline, but shows us so much grace. It's not that God finds enjoyment out of our discipline, but but He goes, I cannot continue to let you sin and ruin your life with folly. I'm going to give you what you need. So he sends his son to come and die for us so that we might be saved because that's what we need. He sends his son to the cross. And it's not what we wanted. None of us asked for Jesus to die on the cross. In fact, the disciples asked him not to. And then he rises three days later and the disciples ask him to stay. And he says, I can't stay. I need to go so I can send the Spirit to you. Because what you need is a Spirit. He sends his Son to die for us because that's what we need. He forgives us because that's what we need. He instructs us because that's what we need. He disciplines us 
probably more than any of us in this room would like to admit. Because that's what we need. He loves us so much that he would save us from our sins and adopt us into his family. Because we're all in need of a father. And all in need of his love. So, to all the moms, new moms, expecting moms, experienced moms, thank you. Thank you for everything that you put up with. Thank you for loving us and caring for us. My prayer for you, just like my prayer for Haley, has been that you will give your kids what they need, not what they want. That you will discipline out of a heart of love the whole time modeling grace. So happy Mother's Day. The band's going to come up and they're going to play a few songs and, and we invite you to sing with us. To experience this joy that God has, has loved us, cared for us, that he would send his son to die for us, because that's what we need. That you would respond out of a heart of worship, and, and, and you would take the cracker, which represents his body, and you would break that, because he was broken for us, and you would dip it in the wine of the grape juice, which represents his blood, because that was spilled for us. And you would take some time today and thank. God for what he's done. That he has died so that we could have what we need. We worship God through tithes and offerings. That God has given us so much. So we give some back to him. We worship God through prayer. Um, There's going to be some deacons in the back. Haley and I will be back there if you'd like to pray. Um, If you'd like to talk, we'd love to talk with you. We'd love to pray with you. So please, if you need prayer, head back there. Um, But if you need prayer, if you're in a gospel community and you need prayer, you should ask your gospel community for prayer. If you look at your parenting and you say, I don't discipline my kid enough, ask them for prayer. If you say, I have a hard time with grace in my parenting, ask them for prayer. Talk to them about it. They know you the best. Find identity in Christ and not in parenting. Lastly, we worship God um, through community. And there's some goodies in the back. Please help yourself. Head to the back. Um, Take your mom out today. Celebrate with her. Give her a day. um, And say thank you to her. So, will you guys pray with me? Uh, Jesus, we love you. We praise you. You are a a great God and a great Father. And we thank you for, for loving us the way that we need love. God, that we would not be so caught up in our wants, our want of sin and our want of folly and foolishness. But we would be caught up on you and understand that you are what we need. We thank you for that. God, we thank you for the blessings of children. Help us to view them as blessings even when they seem like they're not. God, help us to view moms as blessings. We thank you for them. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.